Hi, I'm Dan Pramack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Wednesday, July 15th. NBC's streaming service starts, Kanye's presidential bid ends, and we're focused on the race to find a vaccine for the novel coronavirus. Late yesterday afternoon, Massachusetts drug maker Moderna got both the stock markets and social media very, very excited after reporting that its COVID-19 vaccine produced antibodies and appeared safe in the first 45 people who received it. You might recall that Moderna was the first company to begin human clinical trials, and it then compounded its sunny news by saying it'll begin all important phase three tests on July 27th. That process would involve around 30,000 people, half of whom would receive a placebo. So far, so good. The not so good? Well, for starters, a second injection was required four weeks after the initial injection in order to create the desired autoimmune response. That's the sort of thing that could increase costs and decrease availability. But the bigger issue with the Moderna report is that all the 45 people were between the ages of 18 and 55, and 89% of them were white. That's good news for younger white people, but possibly irrelevant for some key demographics that have been more likely to get very sick or die from the virus. The bottom line here is that we are going to be living through many hype cycles for the next few months. Many experts are indeed confident that there's going to be a working vaccine authorized, at least for emergency use, by year end and for wider distribution at some point in 2021. But right now, it's a giant game of baby steps. In 15 seconds, we'll dig deeper on the Moderna news and where things stand in the overall vaccine race with former acting CDC director Richard Besser. But first, this. We're joined now by Dr. Richard Besser, the former acting director of the CDC and current president and CEO of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we have seen press releases from certain companies that are working on COVID vaccines. We have seen some uh, journal articles, etc. From the last few weeks, what do you think is the most significant piece of news you've seen? I think it's very exciting, the data that's come forward, that the Moderna vaccine produces antibodies in people. That's one of the first things you want to look for to see if a vaccine is on the road to potentially being effective. The other thing that's significant and concerns me is how consistently these vaccine stories have been overplayed by both the companies and by the media. We are quite far from having an effective vaccine. And I worry that the anticipation of a vaccine, the idea that we might have one in the next few months pulls people away from doing all the things they need to do now to really lessen the impact of this pandemic. Seems to be two pieces to it. One is that at least traditionally, it takes a long time to get a vaccine. And, and obviously things are being fast-tracked, but it typically takes a very long time for a vaccine to go from development, certainly to commercialization. The other piece is that just generally, biotechs and drug developers very often fail when they get to phase three trials. Phase one looks good. It's promising. Phase three fails. I wonder on that second piece, is it mitigated at all just because you have so many companies that are working essentially on the same thing? It helps. But this Moderna study, which was in the New England Journal, involves 45 healthy adults, 18 to 55. If you think about who's at greatest risk here, it's really the elderly, people with multiple medical conditions. Looking favorable in this group is one thing, and having a vaccine that works in those who are at their greatest risk may be something entirely different. I am comforted by the fact that there are many companies working on this. Just having more companies in there 
doesn't guarantee success. It increases your chances, but it doesn't get you there. Let me play devil's advocate to the devil's advocate, which would be if you and I were having this conversation, say, in early March or even in late February, which I think is when Moderna first announced publicly what they were doing, would you have expected that anyone would be able to get into phase three clinical trials by the end of July? No, I think that is exciting. I think the fact that the pace of these studies is much more than you would normally have seen. The fact that a phase one trial has been completed and they're ready to move forward with phase three, that is real plus, but doesn't guarantee we're going to get over the line. And when I hear people primarily on the political side, but also on the public health side saying we could have a vaccine by the end of the year, it takes away the energy from doing those things that are working in Europe, that are working in so many Asian countries that could work here. Trump is saying what he's saying. Fauci, Redfield, they've also said the same thing about, you know, we could have a vaccine by year end. Is what you're saying that you think they're being overly optimistic or is what you're saying that they should temper that optimism so that people do socially distance, wear face masks, et cetera? I've heard Dr. Fauci use the if line around vaccines, which is important, but not every time. I try and use it every time. So if we have a vaccine, that would be terrific. We don't know whether a vaccine that's developed will be as effective as, say, a measles vaccine, which is like 95% protective, or like the seasonal flu vaccine, which some years is 30% effective or even less. This idea of a vaccine as it's being discussed in popular narrative is kind of like the movie Contagion, where in the last 20 minutes, there's a vaccine, everyone gets it, and the world is saved. It doesn't work that way. One of the things that's interesting, I thought, about the Moderna drug is it talks about how even to get to the level of autoimmune response that they got, you had to have two injections, one four weeks after the first one. There's this broader question about how long those antibodies are going to be effective for, which seems to be this bigger question. What's your sense of the science of that right now? One of the first things that you want to do when you're developing a vaccine is determine something called correlates of protection. So what things do you want to see in an individual who has been vaccinated that indicate that they are protected. You may have someone who gets a vaccine and they get antibodies and those antibodies go away, but they still have protection because their B cells and T cells have been primed so that the next time they see this virus, their body starts to crank out new antibody and they're safe. And the fact that those studies are going on at the same time as trials instead of sequentially is a positive step because it means that we're not waiting for this information to move forward with a potentially effective therapy or vaccine. You, in your past life, were a reporter, a full-time reporter. Do you believe that media has been overhyping these early vaccine results? And if so, do you think it is craven for clicks? Is it a lack of scientific understanding? Or is it just kind of everybody is so, you know, reporters like everybody else, just desperate for a glimmer of good news? That's a good question. I dealt with this a lot when I was at ABC News, this idea of producers loving the miracle cure uh, story. And, you know, it could be a study in 12 mice that showed a benefit and the headline would be miracle cure. So I think there is some of that competition for clicks and eyes. And I think that's really dangerous. We need to be very thoughtful. We need to bring the public along in terms of what does it really take to do good science? What's involved in that? There's so much of a narrative and so much conversation right now about, wow, these scientists got it wrong. We can't trust them because they got it wrong. When in fact, 
early on, what you don't know far outweighs what you do know. And the process of science is generating new information that allows you to then change your recommendations and how you move forward. And that's how science works. It's the beauty of science is this kind of correction as you move forward. Richard, one final question for you, non-virus related. News in the last day that the Department of Health and Human Services is asking hospitals to send them COVID data directly rather than sending it to the CDC. What's your big takeaway from that? I find it very concerning. You know, CDC is our nation's public health agency and it has the nation's top infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists. And this information should be coming to CDC. So CDC can do the studies to look at hospitalization as it relates to other activities that are going on in the community. So are hospitalizations going up because of actions that have taken place in a particular place or or actions that should be taking place? CDC is the one that should be asking for more data so that data can be broken down by race and ethnicity and neighborhood so we can address these challenges. I was at CDC for 13 years, and there was constantly battles between CDC and elements within the Department of Health and Human Services. And CDC is part of the department, but it's located in Atlanta, and it can avoid some of the political influence that happens when you're in D.C. And it's one of the plus sides of CDC being there. One of the downsides is that it makes it harder to go to Congress and get the support and the resources. But I worry that data going directly to Washington runs the risk of political influence in a way that it wouldn't if it went directly to CDC. Richard Besser, thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Walmart which announced that it will require all customers to wear face masks in its company-owned stores, plus in its Sam's Club locations. The rule goes into effect next week and covers around 5,000 Walmart locations and Sam's Club spots. Why it matters is twofold. First, because Walmart is America's largest retailer, and that's not even very close. Second, because it's possible this rule will help force a cultural shift on masks, particularly in the 35% of Walmarts located in areas without any sort of government mask mandates. Today, we're also watching Apple, which no longer will need to pay nearly $15 billion in back taxes to Ireland after winning a landmark court case against the European Union. The backstory here is that the EU said in 2016 that Ireland had improperly allowed Apple to underpay its taxes, while Apple basically replied that it had followed the rules, its legal version of no takesies backsies. The story moving forward now is how the EU's competition commissioner reacts, not just in terms of a possible appeal of the ruling, but also how it plays into her broader interest in establishing an EU-wide digital tax on American tech giants. And finally today, we are looking out the window, maybe your window. What I'm talking about is a new app called Windowswap, which lets users upload 10-minute videos of the view out of their home or office windows, including audio. Or you can just scroll through other people's videos from all over the world. Relaxing, engaging, and creepy all rolled into one. No wonder it went viral. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Gummy Worms Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.